Good morning. How's your weekend going? Mm-hmm. Come on. How's your weekend going? All right. All right. Welcome. Welcome to Portico Church. My name is Jason Connor. It's my privilege to be up here, as Pastor Reeves said, to open up the Word of God with you. We are walking through a series on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're slowing way down and taking each petition and trying to understand what that means for us to pray this. So let me, before we get started, um, as we're preparing to jump into the text, and by the way, it's going to be verse 11, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, and what we're going to be searching through today is, what does Jesus mean when he commands you and I to pray that the Lord would give us our daily bread? That's, honestly, that's the one I just kind of skip over. Just kind of skip over. It doesn't really apply to me, but it does. So let me ask you this. And if you've been to my house and you feel like I'm picking on you in this, well, maybe I am. Maybe I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. When you come somebody, like you come to like my house or somebody's house, and they like offer you 15 things to drink, okay? Would you like, hey, would you like a glass of wine? Would you like some iced tea? Would you like a bubbly seltzer? Would you like a beer? And you say, I'll just have water. <laughs> Who does that? Do you do that? And this has actually happened too. You know what? I'm good. I brought my own bottle of water. <laughs> I will take that bottle from your hand and I will open it up and I will pour it into my royal palm plant because he likes to drink. <laughs> like, what, what is that? It's odd. I should tell you it's odd. There's a strangeness to it when you're going to, some, to like be with somebody or go to a, a banquet or a place where you expect to receive but you're like, no, I'm good. I don't want any water. I'll just, I'll just drink some tap water. I'll just drink the bottle that I brought. The first three petitions of this prayer are kind of off the scale. Our Father in heaven, that's not a petition. That's, that's stating who he is. Hallowed be your name. You're our God. You're our heavenly Father. You're on station in heaven. We want to see your name holy in our lives, in our church, in our cities. Your kingdom come. You're not just there. You're active. You're moving. Heaven is breaking through. You're remaking. You're redeeming. You're restoring. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That starts here. Break into my kingdom. Let your will be done in my life. Let your beauty be seen. Let your fame that you have in heaven, your radiant glory, let that break through into our world. We long for heaven. We want it to be here. We want it now. And then, can I have some bread? You feel it? Do you feel the gap there? There's a lot of other things that Jesus might have said can I, can I have some bread? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The great king. Give us some bread. Let me tell you, one of the kindest things that God has done in my life over the years 
is to let me feel the fragility of my own existence. Whatever that is, whether it's a health issue, whether it's just getting older, whether you just have that aha moment, or maybe even futility, when there's something that you really want to do or dream you really want to see accomplish, and for whatever reason it just turns to ashes in your hand, there's kindness there. Maybe even, maybe even hunger. Maybe you've actually experienced hunger for whatever reason you didn't have enough. I actually have. Now, it's, it was very short, and it was not dramatic, and there was no real danger in it. But yeah, I experienced a little bit of hunger. And this one, I know everybody's experienced this, anxiety over your future. Imagining what's going to happen in the future and obsessing on it and having anxiety over it. It is kindness for God to give us these things because in so doing, he is teaching us what it means that he's provider, not just redeemer, not just king, not just that he delights in bringing his kingdom, but he delights in feeding you. Daily dependence. This is what this prayer is about. It's really an aggressive act of daily dependence. And it's one that we just, when we pray this, I've actually heard people swing this around and pray for other people that are hungry because, oh, I'm not hungry. I don't need bread. I'm good. So I'm going to turn that out, make it outward, and just keep moving. That's dangerous. Jesus doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to pray that God would give us this day, today, our daily bread. So what does that mean? Let's dive into that. Now, before we jump in, I, I just want to give you a framework. Um, this prayer is not something that you only pray when you need bread. So there's three perspectives that I want to show you as we look at this one verse. Give us this day our daily bread. One is this is a prayer of necessity. This is not something that you pray once in a while or when you have need or when you have a lot of debt or you, you just, you have, this is something that is an ongoing prayer. Secondly, this is a prayer of humble confidence. It's both of those things. So if we know that it's, an, it's a prayer that's necessary, something that we need, that we are dependent creatures, that brings us some humility, but it's also a prayer of humble confidence. Jesus actually calls you to be confident in this prayer. And lastly, the perspective that's really odd for us is this gospel mindfulness. In this prayer, Jesus is calling us to be reminded of who we are, not just in general, but who we are to God we are. So let's walk through this together. Let's pray together and just ask the Lord to teach us, right? He commanded us to pray this. Let's ask him to teach us together what this means. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, so much that you're just generous. You're, you're good. You give us everything that we need. Lord, even when we experience isolation or hunger or fatigue, or despair. It doesn't fall outside of your, your love for us, Lord. And so my prayer, our prayer, as we open up your word, would you open it up for us that we might behold its beauty and its treasure? That we might be forever changed by this prayer. And so we lift this up together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Let, let's just say that. Can we say it together? Ready? One, two, three. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, excellent, excellent. We are learning so much. This is a prayer of necessity. If this is a call for you and I to daily depend on God, if this prayer is an aggressive act of your daily dependence on God, first understand that this is a prayer of necessity. What do I mean by that? You, you necessarily depend on God, regardless of your worldview, regardless of, of whether you are walking in faith or not. If we're understanding what scripture teaches us about creation and about us, we are dependent beings. Let's go backwards in this for a minute before we even get to God. How many, count the relationships you depend on right now. You have a mom, you have a dad, and if you don't, you did at one point in time. Maybe you have a stepmom or a stepdad. You have brothers, you have sisters, you have bosses, you have co-workers. There's people that work in the city to help it run. We depend on them. You depend on the people that are sitting next to you. You are a relational creature. God made you that way as an image bearer of the living God. It's impossible for you to live your life outside of relationships. Now, maybe you're more of an introvert. I get that. Maybe you're more of an extrovert. Maybe you're energized by relationships. Maybe they drain you. Either way, you are a dependent creature. There's no way for you to survive completely isolated. It doesn't work. Some of you are like, I know, I know, but I'd like to try. You're dependent. Even the writer of Hebrews picks up on this as he opens up his book, saying that the Lord, Jesus, the creative agent in the Trinity not only creates, but upholds the universe by the word of his power. So if we're to really understand the implications of this, you and I, our molecules hold together by the will of God. Regardless of whether we're hungry or not, you are dependent on God's will. We all are. And, we're, and we see that flesh out in our relationships. In a way, this kind of dignifies your physical existence. I love it when the Bible does this because we believe that, oh, the Bible's just about spiritual things. Sure it is. And we can also say there's a primacy to it, but it doesn't do it at the expense of material creation. God created us physical and likes it that way. And as we understand, Jesus is going to come back and part of his making all things new is to give his people glorified bodies. Like, you're physical. That's eternity. It's not some disembodied existence where you float around near clouds. So God dignifies our physical existence in telling us, commanding us, pray this, give us this day our daily bread. Daily dependence. So, I struggle with this prayer because I've never really prayed it. I've said it with you. Has anybody ever actually prayed this prayer and meant it? Now, I, I don't want to, don't raise your hand, right? But, but really, I'm, I'm throwing this question out here. I think I probably have at one point in time when we were just really out of money and out of options as a family. But most people, most people, not all people, but most people in this building right now have never actually prayed that prayer and meant it. They've prayed it as a part of process. They've prayed it because maybe Jesus commanded me to. But have you ever been in a situation? So the temptation is to see this as like, well, I don't need bread. So I don't need to pray that. In fact, it might feel embarrassing to even pray that. I don't, I've, I've actually got 
more than enough. Why would I ever, ever ask God to give me more? Let's understand the words he's asking us to pray. Give us, it's not me, it's corporate, so there's that. What, how does that matter? Do you know how many times God meets your needs through the person that's sitting next to you? God meets your needs through the one who's in your community group, who's in your circle of friends, so many times. So give us our daily bread. Just, just for a moment, maybe you're holding somebody else's bread. Maybe, you ha- maybe God has blessed you that you might bless somebody else. And also this idea of bread. Bread is not just bread. You understand that. We use that word for lots of things. Bread, dough, money. It's this. It's your necessities. It's everything that you need to get through the day. Everything that you need to get through the night. It's what you need. It's your necessity. Nobody's beyond this. Nobody's beyond this. It's what you need to get through. And notice, it's daily bread. All that is necessary this day, today. Now, I might have wanted to pray this way. Give us this day my yearly bread. I would feel much more comfortable if Jesus taught me to pray that. That's what I want. I want to have something in my hand, in my storehouse, in my bank account, that I can get my hands on when I need it. This is why it's a daily necessity. God doesn't work that way. All that sustains me now. Um, In Luke... Jesus gives a good parable because somebody, a couple brothers come up to him, or actually one brother, and he says, hey, you know what? Um, I guess their parents died. I don't know. It doesn't really give context. But he says, Jesus, um, you need to tell my brother to give you my half of the inheritance. And Jesus is like, A, no, I don't. B, hey, you know what? Before we even go there, check this. You might need to be aware of covetousness. And then he gives a parable. There was somebody whose land was producing very well, so much so that it exceeded the capacity of his storehouses. So he focused his attention on building bigger storehouses so that he could hold everything that was given to him. And then one of the things this man says in the parable is, take ease, soul. Take your rest, soul. Eat, drink, and be merry. Because you have everything you need for decades. You have got it. You don't need to worry. And Jesus says two main things. One is, your life does not consist of what you own. And then he gets harsh. He says, you fool. This very night, your soul is going to be required of you. You're going to die. And you're going to take zero with you. You wasted it. And he ends by saying, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God, is not focused on God, is not depending on God. So this prayer is necessary because everything that you have is from him, through him, for him. Even your ability to metabolize the food that you put in your mouth is a work of God. Even your ability to enjoy the resources that God has given you 
is a work of God. So do not be fooled into thinking you do not need to pray this prayer. And here's why I don't need to pray it. I'm okay. I've got a 401k and a little bit of say. Do not lay up your hope in what you have or what you think you have. So Jesus is giving us this truth. You don't have anything. You have what you brought here. Nothing. You have me. Right? You have me. So this prayer is an, act, an aggressive act of daily dependence as we pray it and as we mean it. Um, here's a good example of this. This is Israel in the wilderness. Do you remember this? God responds to their cry, deliver us from the house of bondage from Pharaoh, and God delivers Israel out of Egypt, brings them to themselves. They end up in the wilderness. There's nothing really much outside of Egypt proper. So they're a little bit nervous. In fact, in Exodus 16, they're saying, you know, just gonna make this, I'm just going to say this out loud. At least back in Egypt, we had pots of meat and leeks and stuff like that. So if you were just going to bring us out here to die, can we go back to Egypt to die? Because I'm hungry. And so God in his graciousness tells Moses through Aaron, hey, I'm going to rain bread down from heaven. And he gives them manna. Right? He gives them manna. And he tells them, this is so you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who delivered you out of the house of bondage. Know that. And he teaches them, just scoop up what you need for the day in the morning and take what you have. And everybody had absolutely everything that they needed. In fact, on Sabbath, you would gather two days worth so that you wouldn't work. But the caution was, if you try to take more than you need on a normal day, it rots. It turns to worms. Jesus was teaching them to trust in God's word, not in the bread. Do you see that? Give us this day our daily bread. This is a prayer of necessity. Do you depend on God like that? Do you count your resources and then think this prayer is for somebody else instead of you? Have you ever prayed that with conviction? I'm needy. Hey, maybe, maybe I'm holding on to resources and not rich towards God. Maybe I've taught my soul, you're good. So as we dive into this, understand that daily depends. This is our prayer, daily necessity. Give us this day our daily bread. This prayer is also about humble confidence. Um, my son has a friend And <laughs> he would come over to our house. This is back in the day, a few years ago, when they were home from college. And he's just one of those guys that would walk into your house. It's like, hey, Pops. And he walks right over to the refrigerator and he opens it. Right? And he looks in the pantry. And he's not, he's not hungry. I'm like, hey, are you hungry? No, I'm just checking things out. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's weird. But, but you're hungry, though. Who does that? Who walks into somebody's house and opens their refrigerator? Who walks into somebody's house and opens their pantry just to check out the stock? <laughs> I'll tell you who does that. Mike Brown. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I love you, and if you're listening, I love you so much. Come back to my house anytime. I'll tell you who does that. A kid. I started thinking, I do that when I would go to my parents' house, and Chris and I were younger, and we lived near him. First thing I do is I walk in the house, I'm like, 
I just look in it. I'm just taking stock. Oh, I think I want that. Kids do that. Kids have the confidence. And my kids' friends have the confidence <laughs> that I am so safe and trusted and loved that whatever they have belongs to me. So Jesus sets this up, says, yes, you have nothing but what God gives you. So pray every day and mean it. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need to get through this work meeting, through this rough relationship. Give me everything I need to walk out the call you've placed in my life, not for the future, just for today, for these 24 hours. Lord, give me what I need. But then he, he tells them to honor God. We're called to honor God as our Father. Do you see that? Our Father. Our Father. It feels almost irreverent. And Jesus commands this. Uh, he says, pray like this. If you look at the original language, it's not a suggestion. It's an imperative. It's a command. You pray like this. And it's the same structure in the petition. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not, could you? Hey, if you have time, I know you're running an eternal kingdom, but if you have a, hey, when's dinner? It feels like that. Hey, mom, hey, dad, what are we eating tonight? I'm starving. Are you? It's four o'clock. No, but I just want to know. It feels almost out of line. Hey, give us this day our daily bread. But there's humility. There's humility because we know everything we have comes from him. It's from him. It's through him. It's for him. But there's a, there's a understanding that he is our father, relational. The prayer doesn't start off, pray then like this. Your God, the father, our father, relational. You've been adopted by him. You belong to him. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, Jesus makes this point in Matthew 7, just across the page. Uh, he says in Matthew 7, verse 9, kind of asking a rhetorical question. Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, back to the prayer, right, give you good things to those who ask him? He's almost begging you, come on. Get in on this. He wants to bless you. He's, he's bringing the eternal kingdom. Yes, that's his work. Call it down. Desire it. Want him. Love him. But ask him to give you what you need. He delights in providing for his kids. And there's tension there, isn't there? He's in heaven. He's holy. He's amazing. He's awesome. He's my savior. Can I have some bread? I don't know what to do about this thing. Can you help me? I'm freaked out about tomorrow. Can you pull my eyes away? Or, or maybe, I don't have enough money to buy groceries. Or I want to help that person out, but I'm a little afraid that I don't have enough. Give me the courage to give us this day our daily bread. Right? It's a command. We're asking God to do that. So we saw how Israel handled their time in the wilderness. Watch how Jesus did. Do you know that Jesus' life was a replay of Israel out of Egypt. Did you know that? He actually comes out of Egypt and his parents were on the run. 
He's baptized like in the river, just like Israel goes through the Red Sea. Do you remember what happens after that in Matthew 4? Let me read it to you. When he's baptized, the Spirit of God comes down on him, and God the Father says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Identity-bearing words. Every child wants to hear this. This is my kid. This is my son. I am well pleased with him. Do you know what happens next? The Spirit of God, right? So the Trinity shows up. God the Father affirms God the Son. Spirit of God fills him and prepares him for ministry and then takes God the Son out into the wilderness where Israel could not find enough faith to hold on to God's word. And as he goes out there, Jesus is straight away tempted by Satan. Do you remember this? Do you remember what Satan says to Jesus? Just hear these words. Matthew 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, do you see the one-to-one correlation? Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus replaying this to be the true called son that's going to work it out that's going to hold on to the word of God, he's starving. He's hungry. And the tempter comes and says this. These words are brilliant. If you are the son of God, command that stone into bread. I'm just, do you know what Jesus is doing? I don't know, Jesus, but I don't want to get between you and God the Father. It's just weird to me that you're starving. It's weird to me that 40 days ago he said, oh, this is my son. Where's he at? Do you see him? I don't see him. Here's what I see. I see a wasted, emaciated you holding on to nothing in a desert for no reason. In fact, if you are God the Son, if you're the Son of God, do it. Maybe you're not. In fact, maybe he's not your father. You ever think about that? Do you see what Satan's doing? He's not really tempting him. He's adopting him. He wants to be his father. There's another way. We can get this without him. You can serve me and I'll show you a better kingdom. In fact, you can have it now. John calls Satan the father of lies because he's an imitation. And in Jesus' earthly weakness, don't you know those words rung in his ears? He tacked at his identity. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8.3. He says, you know what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What he means by saying that is, I'd love to, but here's what feeds me more than bread. Holding on to the word of God. I'm going to trust him all the way. And he did. Humble confidence. This is a prayer of daily dependence on God. It's both 
necessary, and it's a cry of humble confidence. I'm not sure where you are in life. Everybody experiences the wilderness. Everybody feels isolation, doubts everything they thought they ever knew, is tempted at the level of identity. Everybody. Do you want to be walked through that by the Spirit of God, by God the Son, by the one who's been there and done that and has overcome it and actually can tell the difference between a lie and the truth? Or do you want to work it out on your own? This is for everybody. Christian, are you going to trust Jesus when your needs are not getting met? Because the voices that you're going to hear is, where's God? Where's the Father? I'm just wondering. Because dads don't do that to their kids, do they? That's odd to me. Maybe you should do what you really want. Maybe you should hold a little less tightly on the word of God and a little more tightly on your dreams and what you think you need to happen. Maybe it'll work out better. So that voice comes to us all the time. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray it. Daily depend on God. And lastly, this prayer is gospel mindfulness. That's a word, that's a big word. Gospel, we'll explain that, but also mindfulness. Do you guys know what mindfulness is? We think it's new, it's not, but it's, it's a technique. It's a technique uh, that's been used for a long time, but maybe if you've ever had anybody that's taught you mindfulness, it's really a way of getting out of your head and into your body. It's a way to deal with both panic and anger and um, anxiety and all types of things. And the way it works is um, a lot of times intrusive thoughts about your past or things that you did or didn't do are renting space in your head and you've got this imagined future that you're afraid of and so you're in your head and mindfulness says, no, actually, where are you? You're sitting here. Yes, acknowledge your emotion. Acknowledge how you feel about it, but you're not in your past and you're actually not in your future. Sit right here for a moment. What's around you? Who's around you? And it's designed to, to make you present in the moment and to kind of reject the past and kind of reject the future. Actually, aviation has used this before too. I'm just going to tell you that. As I was studying this and studying this prayer, I realized we used to do this with pilots all the time. And here's what we did it for. We taught them how to deal with panic. And that's actually one of the, re- the ways that mindfulness is used in therapy is if you're having a panic episode. And if you've ever had a panic episode where you panic for, like, it feels like you're panicking for no reason, or if you've actually panicked for a reason, like you were being chased by a bear or something, you will realize, I mean, there's always a reason for a panic episode. It just comes at a, at a time when you don't, it, 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 the, that energy comes out when you least expect it. But how I realized is we were teaching pilots this all the time. For instance, we'd put them in the simulator, and we'd put them in a, like, we'd fail their weather radar, so they fly it into a thunderstorm, and they get into, um, that's mean, isn't it? But we're doing it for a good reason. They get into severe turbulence, and it's hard to fly the airplane in turbulence, and some of them, like, their world would close in, and they'd go into panic mode. You know what happens in panic mode? You lose the ability to reason. It's not a good skill for a pilot not to be able to think logically and sequentially through what you need to do. So we'd teach them in their panic, aviate, navigate, communicate. See, it's drilled in my head. Fly the plane first. Forget about why you're in the thunderstorm. Forget about your past. Forget about the fact that you're afraid you're going to die. Like, put that out of your head. What are you doing? 
Look at the attitude indicator. You see those little wings? If they're not level, your flight's going to be over in 10 seconds. Level your wings, pull the power back, slow down. All right, good. You did that. Now, where are you? Can, is there a way out of this? Turn around. Make a 180. Get out of it. All right, now talk to somebody. That's mindfulness. Why do I tell you this? Jesus uses it. He uses it. He uses it right here. Just behind the prayer. Chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap, gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Conclusion, are you not more value than they? Everybody wants to know three things. Who am I? Do I matter? And do I belong? This prayer sums them all up for us. Who am I? I'm, I'm a kid. I'm a child of God. Do I matter? Here's how Jesus works the gospel mindfulness. Get out of your mind and look at the bird. You can almost find a bird anywhere you are. Look at the bird. What's your conclusion? God takes care of them. They do fall, right? But not apart from the will of your heavenly Father. Please answer this question right now. Are you more valuable than they? Gospel mindfulness. Did I not lay my life down for you? Gospel mindfulness. Are you not more valuable than they. Give us this day our daily bread. And he ends this section in verse 34 saying, therefore, right? So, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Gospel mindfulness. Do not forget who you are and whose you are. And this prayer will help you. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a prayer of active dependence on God. Um, I read this on Twitter. I, I kid you not, this week. And it was off of at forum atheist. I don't troll him. He just came up somebody else's feed, okay? <laughs> Listen to what it said. It says, bold letters, Christianity, semicolon. Belief that one God created a universe 13.79 billion years old, 93 billion light years in diameter, consisting of over 200 billion galaxies, each containing an average of 200 billion stars, only to have a personal relationship with you. Obviously, he's putting out there so that you can see the ridiculousness of the proposition. Here's what happened. It just about broke the church out in revival. People, like, one guy was like, yeah, that's why we sing. You, you got it right. That's the gospel, my friend. Thank you, at Forium Atheist. That's, that is it. We couldn't have summed it up any better. This is why we sing. One person even said, hey, I know this wasn't your, your intent, but I really do think you broke us out in revival. We're just, this is why we worship God. 
do you want this world to be true? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. That's why we sing. Jesus said it in this way in Luke. Don't fear, little flock, because your heavenly Father has seen fit to give you the kingdom, gospel, mindfulness. Who are you? Whose are you? Remember that. Remember that when you're bored. Remember that when you're panicking, when you're out of options. Remember it. Give us this day our daily bread. Aggressive act of daily dependence. So we'll get you through the day. What is it? What's your daily bread? What gives you confidence that you're going to be okay? What gives you the confidence that it's all going to work out? What is it? Just name it. Is it the fact that your heavenly Father has given up God the Son and empowered you through God the Spirit to live for his glory? Is that it? I was like, well, that sounds very theological. Okay, give us this day our daily bread. Is that what you circle back to all the time? Give us it. He loves me. God has commanded me to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you circle back? Circle back to this. It's more than just about food. It's about your value. It's about God's love for you. It's about you learning how to walk this life out in faith. It's about you learning not to hoard because it becomes putrid and it will become your God. What gets you through the day? Jesus said this. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. You know what that means. That doesn't mean you'll never experience the pain of hunger. Even the sparrows fall. It means you will belong to him. It means your future is never in jeopardy or in question. Who you are is never in question. A child of God, whose you are is never in question. You belong to the heavenly father. Your future is never in question. You're a citizen of God's kingdom. If you will trust him, if you will let him have your life, if you will repent of sin and let him have it, this is your bread. Do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're good. You're not just beautiful. You're not just radiant. You're not just worthy of all praise and worship. You're good to the sparrows. How much more to those who will become adopted sons and daughters through the work of Jesus, through trusting in God the Son? How much more do you delight in providing for us? Let us believe that. In the name of Jesus, amen.